Hello and welcome to Tops 10, brought to you by KTXT Radio and the College of Media and Communication at Texas Tech University in beautiful Lubbock. Tops 10 seeks out successful and influential people in politics and government, the many professions, the physical and social sciences, the arts and humanities, and asks them to reveal their lives, ideas, and ideals through their playlist. Our format is simple. We ask our guests what pieces of music mean the most to them and to tell us the story behind the infatuation. Mr. Derek Ginter is our producer and engineer. I'm David Perlmutter, a professor at and dean of the college and the originator and host of Tops 10. Today I have with me another West Texas legend, Mr. Jeff Klotzman. Hello, Jeff. Welcome. That's great. I love legends. Have, have you ever been introduced? No, n- never as a legend, but uh, I guess I'm at that age now where legend may be, you know, I'm a legend in my own mind. Isn't that what they say? So you want to be a legend, but when you're legendary, and then, you know, <laughs> you, it's probably not a good thing. At that you want point, to be yeah. distinct and not extinct, I think is what uh, I always say. That's right. Now, Mr. Klotzman is a veteran of 40 years in broadcast journalism. He's news director and anchor of Raymar Communications' Fox 34 News on KJTV here in Lubbock. Klotzman has extensive experience in all aspects of television news, serving various stints as producer, reporter, sports director, weather anchor, news anchor, news director, janitor at some point, right? which, which all of those involve I, some I, I think I still have that duty. Yeah. He has worked for numerous broadcast stations all over the country, from San Diego to Phoenix to Madison, Wisconsin, and Austin. You hold a BA in journalism and Master of Arts from Texas Tech, from us. He served as a Hutchinson Endowed Visiting Professor at Texas Tech and also taught for us and was named an outstanding alumni in our college. And I asked you to talk to us about the songs that mean the most to you. And we were just joking before the recording began about anthems of a generation. Is there a particular song that maybe means something to you, but also you think is means something to people around you that you've connected with and like, oh, yeah, that's my favorite song, too. I guess everyone in the 60s probably, you know, who are in their 60s, uh, and from my generation or genre probably go, you know, when I remember music the best, it would be from high school, college days, which would take me from, oh, mid-60s to mid-70s, and you just don't hear that kind of music anymore. It was there, there wasn't a particular song, but I sit in my car when I'm driving the streets of Lubbock and I'm listening to 60s and 70s music. Kind of alternate between the two. Right now, I'm kind of stuck in the 60s, but I'll get tired of it and then go back to the 70s. And there was just something special about the music because I think it. I don't listen to today's music, so I really don't know what is out there. But I think the music from then basically spoke to a generation and was very um, reflective of what was going on during those times. So they don't send you the cover of the Justin Bieber concert? Not anymore. And... uh, Thank goodness they don't. Uh, or, you know, I, I'm not into rap, so. But I love walking, you know, driving across the campus, and this morning all you see are kids. And who knows if they're talking on – they're not talking on the phones. or they're, they're sitting here texting everyone. But a lot of them are sitting here listening to their music. And that's great because we didn't have that ability when I was – doing my undergraduate days here in uh, you know, 72 to 76 we you, you didn't walk around with earbuds in your in your ears now you did have some technology that you had yeah. you have radio eight track tape eight track tape and you had a radio yes right uh, yeah fm <laughs> yet or? that was that was yeah was that, that, that new yeah it, you know, but, but in. The 60s, 60s was the decade where fm really came in but most of the people who were on fm were very laid back and to me, growing up in Lubbock, the station, 
because I wasn't really in the country uh, music that much, but the station was KSEL 950, which is now a talk radio station <laughs> that Raymar operates. But at that time, I can remember listening to Casey Jones and the Bill Maddox did some some work on there. Uh, gosh, you know, these, these guys who were just kind of legendary disc jockeys and news guys. 9.50 a.m. It was the station in this region. Did you grow up in a home where there was music? No, not at all. I live in a home now where there is a lot of music. Uh, my youngest son is a choir director in middle school, and music is his life. My wife is very musically adept. She plays the piano, and you know I'm the guy who sits over in the corner and hums. So music wasn't a huge aspect, but gosh... Growing up, you know, the Beatles, the Stones, the Dave Clark Five, everything. We were just all blossoming under the music at that time. And I I laugh because who knew who Buddy Holly was in Lubbock? No one really knew who he was. Uh, And I think the hardest sell Buddy Holly right now is still to the people of Lubbock who sit there and say, we know he was this great legend a rock and roll pioneer, maybe the best, but they still don't quite equate that to his greatness. Now, the first song that you listed for us is How Great Thou Art, which we've heard before, Stuart K. Hine edition. Uh, now, that's not what you picture no. a college campus song. No, you're not going to hear that, but I think, you know, when that's you're... That's a choir director you, song. Yeah, 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 and when you speak of religious music, I just think that it is... It's something special. It's a great, great hymn, and there are many great hymns. But for some reason, that one just kind of speaks to me. Every time, I I would say of all the religious music out there, every time I hear that, it gives me goosebumps, and it gives me a feeling of peace. Oh, Lord, my God, when I am awesome, Consider all the worlds thy hands have made. I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. In, a, in existence nowadays, of course, television news has always had the reputation of being fast-paced since 60s, 60s and 70s, but now 
everything just seems instantaneous. You know, there, there's no more news cycle where you get to sort of ruminate and think about things. You ha- uh, something appears and, you know, somebody else can break the story th- 30 seconds later. The pressure for ratings, the pressure for audiences, the pressure of new media is very high. How do you find time during your day? Is it music play any role in for, for you to sort of keep... Because you have a reputation of being a very old-fashioned, and I mean that in a very good sense steady at the keel newsman and that's just kind of the way i i guess the gray hair you know goes with the territory but i kind of i think music in my life today is kind of it's like a bumper i mean when i'm in the car i'm listening to music if i'm able to do some traveling i'm usually listening to music it's it's still very special to me and 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 I guess it it speaks to me in a way that it it has a calming influence, even rock and roll. But it, it's also the lyrics of these songs mean a lot to me uh, as much as the music does. the The lyrics to me, I'll, I'll I'll pick certain lyrics where I'll sit there and say, you know, that that was that's poetry. It really is special. It's real, you know. Listen to it and really pay attention to it because it has great meaning. And a lot of these songs that are on this list, that's the very reason I, I picked them. It may just be for like um, you know one particular phrase in there, but for some reason, it it touches a nerve, and that's the reason why it means so much. Now, your next song is one that actually I heard a lot. My parents were Frank Sinatra fans. Ah. I think they went to several Frank Sinatra concerts. Frank Sinatra's stature as one of the gods of music of the 20th century, I guess, is not as tracked by the modern generation, of course. But My Way was considered to be, I don't think it was his his favorite song, but it was considered to be the quintessential, the, the yeah. absolutely... Sums up his life. Frank Sinatra song, written by somebody else, of course. Yes, of course. course. But uh, what does My Way mean to you? Well, I, I think that there is... Knowing a little bit about Frank Sinatra, and, and he had a very interesting life, to say the least. And he was, you know, this teen icon, the Bobby Soxer generation, when he was very young. And then he fell into disfavor. And he basically had to battle his way back to become this icon that he now is. And I just think that he, this song perfectly encapsulates how people look at their lives and and hopefully they can sit and say you know i had ups and i had downs and i had a lot of you know straight line type of uh life experiences but i feel good that i did it the way i wanted to do it and you know if i had it to do all over again probably would do the exact same thing i think that's what that song says to me and i think it says that to a lot of people I heard some music producers talking about this once, comparing Frank Sinatra to Dean Martin as singers. Frank Sinatra, going with what you're saying, was incredibly careful and precise. He would hire the absolute best studio musicians, the best producers. He would do take after take Mm -hmm. to get the song just mechanically as well as lyrically and, and musically correct in every way. And so his songs were incredibly well produced for records and a lot of people talked to one of the reasons that unlike dean martin you know who sort of descended at joey bishop or some of those other rat pack people descended into sort of self-parody at the end of their Mm -hmm. their careers he remains 
known as a great musician, as a great you know voice artist, and has the same respect for him as an artist that that he had during his, his all of his his lifetime. And I think that's what you're talking about with where you're paying attention to the lyrics. Mm-hmm. You know, television news obviously is visual. Like if you don't have the visuals, you know, you're just sitting there talking and doing radio. You're doing radio on uh, ventriloquism, you know. Yes. But as you know, you you have a very short time to write very precise, brief, clear words to describe what's going on and to talk to the audience. Uh, can you talk about that process? Because the words don't get as much attention, but if, if you started screwing up the words or started having too many words, immediately you'd notice, right? That's the hardest thing. Yeah. Probably you can speak to it better than I can. It's one of the hardest things to to teach new journalists or young journalists is economy of words. They all come in and they want to have flowering verbose and, you know, they, they just want to put all these unnecessary words in. Can I have my 35-minute segment on the news tonight? <laughs> Absolutely. And, and hopefully some people would learn from it. And I, I, it's the part of my job that I enjoy the most. I'm the managing editor for the news at nine, so every piece of copy that is disseminated goes through my hands. And most of the the work is, as an editor, I'm pulling words out and trying to tighten copy and trying to make it where it is believable, credible, that it is uh, short to the point, and that it is imparting some type of information that people need to know. Uh, So much of the the news that we see in, in TV today, I sit here and I shake my head and say, is this really important in the whole scheme of life? I mean, what is important? There are radios, there are TV stories, there are newspaper stories, as I call them. Most of the newspaper stories probably are more important to people than some of the TV stories, but we're limited by time. So what I try to do is find stories I think that will resonate with people that really is of importance to them. And then we try to stuff them into this very small time frame that we have on a nightly basis and make it work. My Way by Frank Sinatra. And every single phrase in that song, to me, it is the perfect song of the nightclub singer, male mm-hmm. anyway, generation, wh- where every single phrase is finely crafted with a particular message of, of importance. And I think that speaks to television news scripts as well, right? Yes, I think absolutely. The, the, I, I'm not sure this was the song, but one of Frank Sinatra's you know, great hits, he hated I heard it the other I night. I think this was. I think, I think this was very yeah. close to it. And, yeah. and basically, they you know they gave him the song, and he did like one take in the studio, yeah. and said, you know, I just don't like the song. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, it it just doesn't click. For I'm pretty me. sure it was this one because yeah. he thought it made him sound very egotistical. Yeah. And so yeah. he he went in the studio. They gave it to him, and he basically he really did like one cut, which was very unusual. For yeah, him. and then yeah. said, I'm through. And, and it was his greatest hit. And now the end is near And so I face the final curtain My friend, I'll say it clear I'll state my case Of which I'm certain I've lived a life that's full I traveled each and every highway And more, much more than this 
I did it my way Regrets I've had a few But then again Too few to mention I did what I had to do Saw it through Without exemption I planned Each charted course Each careful step Along the byway And more Much more than this I did it My Way Yes, there were times I'm sure you knew When I bit off More than I could chew But through it all When there was doubt I ate it up And spit it out I faced it all And I stood tall Real turn of pace here, Don Henley, "Dirty Laundry." Love this which song. Which, of course, is a song about yeah, this television is, news. This right? is an anthem. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I don't agree with with all of the lyrics, but you know what? So you're not the bubble-headed bleach one. No, I, I'm not the, that. I, I'm not that. You know, put the widow on the set. We need dirty laundry. I, I just love the lyrics in this song. And uh, I remember when I was a very young journalist, ABC actually did a video to this, <laughs> and and it was quite shocking, you know, the, what they decided to to put with these lyrics. And and you know what, Don Henley's not too far off the mark. And every day, I think television journalism becomes much more like this, especially those who are in the uh, the news channel type businesses where you've got this. We call it feeding the beast. And you have to sit here and you have to do news. And when you have some kind of breaking news story, it's just repeat, repeat, repeat what you've heard ad nauseum. But people are so hungry for facts, they'll sit through all of that to hope that they can glean some new nugget that might come their way. But dirty laundry, I'm I'm telling you, there's a lot of truth to it. I don't like it. It bothers me. But there's truth in these lyrics. I'm old enough to remember when CNN first came on the scene and the idea of 24-hour news. 
It'll never sell. It'll never sell, but there was a promise at that time that one of the opportunities of 24-hour news was that they would have the time to do much more longer, in-depth investigative stories, mood pieces, things that weren't available on the the shorter formats of the evening news. Mm -hmm. And that was fulfilled at, at some level. I mean, there are, you know, investigative reports, but... Often, as you say, when there's a breaking story like you know an airliner goes down, you end up with the same things repeated. You br- you you get more and more desperate for experts, including people you know who are just, who, who just you speculating. Wonder, where, you know, where did they fish this person out of the pond from? You know, you know, like, yeah. here, here's here's well, I can see the alien mothership, you know, yeah. scooping up the airplane, and and you think, boy, there was sort of an opportunity lost there. And I I, I know that a lot of it had to do with expense. It's just that basically the longer time you try you, you spend doing the story, the more the, the bills rack up. And of course now everybody's cut to the bone, so there's just not simply enough people to to do everything. But do you see any possibility that there will be a return uh, in television news to more longer in-depth pieces? I, I, don't, I don't think you can find the journalist with those skills anymore. Um, you know, some of these these great icons in, in our business basically started uh, as newspaper reporters or wire service reporters like Walter Cronkite and Harry Reasoner, these people. And the, the people who are in journalism today were not brought up with that kind of craft training. Uh, they basically were brought up that you, you get as quick uh, a story as you can put together in a minute and a half. Um, you need to, to go in there and, and try to, as I call it, gotcha journalism. I mean, we're, we're all kind of Mike Wallace wannabes now because he was so popular and, and so successful with that 60 minutes format. The journalism today is different than the journalism that I grew up with. Uh, the journalists are just totally different. Uh, I think my whole career was probably grounded in the Kennedy assassination and watching the the space flights. That's the reason I'm in this business today. I mean, I'm, I can sit here and say I, I know the day I became a journalist or wanted to be a journalist was November 22, 1963. Not a lot of people can tell you that, that they know when their interests began in the career that they have followed. Where were you then? I was at home. I was sick that day, which was strange. So, you know, I was 10 or about to be 10. I was nine years old. And my birthday is two days later on the 24th. And so I was homesick that day. And I just remember I was glued to the television for that entire four-day period and was watching these men who were working under great strain and they didn't have the news gathering tools then that we have today but man these they were massive bulky cameras yeah, yeah and, on tracks and, and, and they weren't portable and and going live was you know that there weren't satellites up there okay <laughs> things were different very different and yet they were able to pull it off and i thought you know, they just did a magnificent job and i thought that is what i want to do just you know, I, frank mcgee what an unbelievable job dan rather did a terrific job and it, you'll never forget you know when walter cronkite announced to the country and to the world that the president 
was dead. He showed emotion. Man never showed emotion until that time. From Dallas, Texas, the flash, apparently official, President Kennedy died at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time, 2 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, some 38 minutes ago. Vice President Lyndon Johnson <clears throat> has left the hospital in uh, Dallas, but we do not know uh, to where he has proceeded. Uh, presumably, he will be taking the oath of office shortly and become uh, the 36th president of the United States. For some reason, that was the day I said, I have got to do that. Now, no way has my career ever even come close to those gentlemen, but they were out there on that day, and they instilled this dream in me just by watching them work. Your next song, London Homesick Blues by Gary P. Nunn. Here's my, here's my country western music for you. Uh, and this goes directly to my years in college. Um, I guess I kind of went through a little bit of a country western phase at one time in my life. I love this song. It just, uh, if, if you're not familiar with uh, London Homesick Blues, a lot of people. Now, where were you growing up? Jeff? Here in Lubbock. Yeah, here in Lubbock. Yeah, right, and, right, and okay. So this would be during my college years. So this would have been very popular about 74. Most people think that this is uh, Jerry Jeff Walker's song, but it was Gary P. Nunn who wrote it. And if you listen to Viva Terlingua, which is the album uh, where it appears, it's Gary P. Nunn who's actually doing the song. And I just love it because it, it basically tells the story of a cowboy or a Texan who is performing in London. And everything is foreign to him. And he is homesick. He, he wants to get back to, you know, I want to go home with the armadillo, good country music. And, and you know, talks about uh, Amarillo and Abilene. And to me, it's Texas. It pays homage to this wonderful place where we live, and, and I am a Texan true and through. I've lived in a lot of other states, but I always kind of felt those London homesick blues to get back to this state and to get back to this city because love it. Yeah, your roots. That's right. There's not a lot of people who get a chance to come back to their their hometown. And I've done in, it like in triumph. I've done it twice. <laughs> but that's it. This is it for yeah. For, uh, London homesick blues. It, it, to me, it's just it, it is Texas, and it just speaks volumes to me because it, uh, it 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 to me it's this great salute to the great state. Well, when you're down on your luck and you ain't got a buck. In London, you're a goner Even London Bridge has fallen down And moved to Arizona Now I know why And I'll substantiate the rumor That the English sense of humor is drier than the Texas sand You can put up your dukes Or you can bet your boots But I'm leaving just as fast as I can I wanna go home with the armadillo Good country music from Amarillo and Abilene. 
next song is uh, from Mr. Margaritaville, Jimmy Buffett, Migration. Saw Jimmy Buffett uh, earlier this summer, and he didn't play this song, which is a shame because it is my favorite of, of all the ones that he he uh, performs. Uh, this is another one of those songs that, that you listen to the lyrics and you say, what is this message that he is telling us is basically don't get so caught up in your life that you're not having fun. And he basically says that, you know, you, 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 it has a little bit of a salute to Texas in it. And he says, you know, I've got a Caribbean soul I can barely control and a little bit of Texas in my heart. And um, the story, though, is that we get so caught up in pursuing these I wouldn't even say dreams, these needs that we perceive that we have, you know, adding more stuff, <laughs> you know, chasing after, you know, what our next door neighbors have and, and trying to be one up. And what he's basically saying is, you know, don't forget how important it is to just have some fun and to be a little bit more laid back and don't take yourself so seriously. Well, one of the things I, I very much uh, enjoy about my job is I talk to a lot of 18-year-olds, a lot of 20-year-olds, and then I talk to a lot of alumni who, you know, of all ages, up, you know, 24 through through their 80s, and I'm able to, I guess, be an ambassador mm-hmm. <laughs> for both communities and sort of say, well, you know, this is what the 18-year-olds are thinking, and this is what the 40-year-olds are, are thinking. I like our students a lot, and one of the things I like about them is that they have rebelled a little bit against the workaholic and everything for the job mentality that I certainly saw come up through in the last couple of decades. And they are asking employers, will I be fulfilled? And now, you know, the average 40 and 50 year old who's working, you know, 60 hours a week, having a 20 year old asking them, you know, will I be fulfilled in this job? The first reaction is, who cares? Yeah, but but it's a good question. Excellent. And, and the fact Excellent. is that that my our alumni who work in every possible profession, a majority of our students now don't go to work for a media company. They go to work for a company that needs media, right? Mm-hmm. So Exxon or Southwest Airlines. They know the 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 great people that they hire at, at age 22. They're going to lose them within two years unless they figure out a way to motivate them and a way to make them be fulfilled in their job. And that's just a fact. That's a generational fact. And if we ignore that fact, you're going to lose all your best young employees. Do you think that they, because you you obviously, you you work with a lot of 24-year-olds. Absolutely. In in TV news, you know, as you, you, how how many people over 60 are working in TV news in in Lubbock? Oh, Abner. Yeah. You can name them one. one. Yeah, yeah. Um, The Over 60 Club meets every... Yeah, uh, there's, there's probably two of us. Yeah. So yeah. there's a lot of young people. Yeah, and, and, and that's that is why you know when this is we're taping this, that we're two days removed from the murder of two young journalists yeah. in um, Virginia, and I really uh, paid attention to how that worked in our newsroom. It just devastated these very young, talented journalist who, who thought, what is this all about? How can this happen? I mean, you, you don't go to work doing a live shot about something as innocuous as a economic development from a Chamber of Commerce perspective and die. It doesn't happen. 
It's not supposed to happen. They just cannot get their hands around that. And to be honest with you, I'm having a very difficult time getting my hands around it, too. So basically what they're saying is, you know, what has happened to our industry? What has happened to journalism that something like this can happen to a 24 and a 27-year-old? I'm, they're 24. They're 20. I've got a whole staff that's in that age range. And they're shaken. And they are disturbed and they are perturbed about what happened. And I think it's a dangerous situation when when people sit here and and they they fear that the job that they have taken is – you have to have passion in anything that you do. And they start questioning that passion. Is it worth it? That's very sad. Of course, one of the answers is that we live in a world where there's no – there's no place and there's no profession that's immune from no. from violence. I mean, I mean, you don't have to be in the military to to face violence. You can be a school teacher in an elementary school, absolutely, and, and face or, exponential violence. Or you can sit in a movie theater, yeah, and watch Batman, and then the next thing you know, you're wounded or dead. I mean, it's just it's it's a sign of the times, and the times are are very difficult to fathom. Looking back at my background I'm trying to figure out how I ever got here Some things are still a mystery to me While others are much too clear Oh, I love living in the sunshine I stay contented most of the time Listening to Walker Willis and Willie Sing me those Texas rhymes the people who retired in Florida are wrinkled or they lean on a crutch. Mobile homes are smothering my keys. I hate those bastards so much. I wish a summer squall would blow them off the way up to fantasy land. Hey, they're ugly and square. They don't belong here. They look a lot better as beer cans. That's why it's still a mystery to me Why some people live like they do There's so many nice things happen out there They've never even seen a clue But we're doing fine We can travel and rhyme I know we've been doing our part I got a Caribbean soul I can barely control In Florida, always here in my heart so you came to Tech. Was that a decision, or you just knew you were going to Tech? Well, I grew up in Lubbock, and my family uh, was affected by the 1970 tornado. My dad's business was uh, basically blown to Idaloo. He was uh, in the steel business. He used to steal things for a living. No, I'm just kidding. Um, and he, uh, his company transferred him back to Fort Worth where the, the main company was located and that transfer was going to happen my senior year in high school and so I stayed with friends and went to uh, high school here my senior year and was able to graduate and Dr. Dean who is one of the great men in my life one of my you know he, he is like a second father to me and he teaches here in, in masscom i would do anything for him that's he's that special in my life um 
he got a scholarship for me to come to Texas Tech. So instead of moving away from home to attend school, my parents moved away and I stayed. So that's how I got to go away. Now, to they didn't college. tell you they were moving, right? You yeah, they come did. Home they one day they did say, yeah, we're and and the expectation level was that I was going to move with them to Fort Worth, but. It all worked out where I was able to stay here. So I went away to school, but actually my senior year in high school and uh, and then stayed and, and went to Texas Tech and worked on the university daily. That was a part of my scholarship in sports. And, uh, you know, when I look at my career now and people say, you know, is, should I follow what you did? You know, is, this, is that a good plan? I'll say nobody has a plan as to how your career is going to progress. You just don't. It's going gonna, it's gonna to dip in and dip out of a lot of different opportunities and a lot of different places and spaces. So you just follow what's best for you. Well, that actually, I think, fits in with their, your next song choice, The Long and Winding Road mm-hmm. by Lennon McCartney, Beatles. You're describing a winding road. And I think today a lot of parents have a linear progression planned for their kids. Like, you're going to major in this, and that's going to lead a career in and, this. And, and of here course, you go. Now we know that there are no certainties for careers. I I've, was looking at, at an, an article the other day. I was talking about which are the top 10 professions that are most likely to be largely replaced by robots, computers. The number one listed was accounting. And yet, you know, there's nothing wrong with accounting, but you know, saying accounting is safe, you're just, you just don't, you don't know, know what's going to happen in the future. By the way, the, the number one listed for least likely to be replaced by computer robots was public relations. <laughs> well, the fact is that the day that robots become intellectually creative and creating art and, and, and music, then, then we're just going to be slaves to the, yeah. uh, uh, and their empire. So We'll be blobs. Careers won't matter at all. But, but the fact is anything that's creative is least likely to be replaced by, by machine. Anything that is more rote is most likely mm-hmm. to be replaced. So we do tell parents that, you know, you can't predict what's going to be safe. It's a winding road, isn't it? Absolutely. And it is long. And you follow your heart, I think, as much as you follow your brain and what you're going to do. I, I, the biggest mistake that people can make uh, is that they hate their jobs and they stay in it and they are just miserable. Uh, I, you know, I think I can truthfully say I don't know what else I would do if I'm not doing what I'm doing. I always speak to classes here and, and make the comment that, you know, to me, journalism is not a profession. It's a craft. We are artisans, not unlike people who write music or perform music or people who act and people who, who paint. I mean, we, we paint with words. We're artistic in nature, and that's why we're kind of goofy from time to time. I mean, you, you can't do this job unless you have a pretty good ego because you like being on TV, and that's a part of the, the process. It's a requirement in order to do this, but you also have to be very artistic in nature, very creative. Uh, it's going to be hard to teach a robot. You know, I know Max Headroom was the one who tried to do it, but it's going to be hard to teach people how to you know be creative i I always maintain that you know since biblical days someone has been out there gathering news putting it together in some discernible form and what changes is the delivery system it changes 
the delivery system is changing right before our very eyes now because uh, social media is the thing. But, you know, I still think it requires someone who has some training, some experience, some craftsmanship to go out there and and put it together in a form where it matters. The long and winding road that leads to your door will never disappear. I've seen that road before It always leads me here Lead me to next song is a, a memory lane somewhat sad song by the famous uh, story song ri- yeah. writer and singer harry chapin uh, and this song uh, cats in the cradle i listened to it this morning before coming in here and this to me is the the song that says is the opposite of my way here yeah of, of regrets i've had a lot that's right, right. <laughs> and, and basically says you know when it all comes boils down to the the bottom line family and friends what are going to get you by i mean don't turn around and i i guess this song kind of speaks to me because you know in, in a certain way i'm i'm somewhat like the song that that harry chapin is singing here i, I was i pursued my career i went to a lot of different markets i was lucky enough to find a woman who who was willing to share those gypsy travels with me and i had two young boys who didn't have that you know ability or or put in a place where they could say no we're not doing this anymore and they just went and and they were they it gave them an opportunity to see a lot of different locales uh, they didn't grow up like i did in one particular place they grew up in in Madison, Wisconsin, and they grew up in Austin, and they grew up in San Diego and Phoenix. So they saw a lot of different parts of America. My youngest son didn't remember, but he lived in New York for a while. And so they had a different existence than I did of growing up in Lubbock in this wonderful community where you're protected and it's kind of beaver cleaver. But the the song is, is from a father's perspective. He says, boy, did I make the mistake because instead of being out here pursuing you know this career path and putting all my energies into it i made a mistake i should have paid more attention to my family than i did to that career because in the end what are you left with i mean family is what you're left with they're they're the ones who who mean everything to you that career one of these days is going to end and what are you going to be left with my child arrived just the other 
another day He came to the world in the usual way But there were planes to catch and bills to pay He learned to walk while I was away And he was talking for I knew it And as he grew, he'd say I'm gonna be like you, Dad You know I'm gonna be like you And the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon Little boy blue and the man on the moon When you're coming home, Dad, I don't know when But we'll get together then You know we'll have a good time then My son turned ten just the other day He said, thanks for the ball, Dad, come on, let's play Can you teach me to throw? I said, not today I got a lot to do, he said, that's okay And he walked away, but his smile never dipped And said, I'm gonna be like him, yeah You know I'm gonna be like him And the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon the Little boy blue and the man on the Coming home, Dad, I don't know when But we'll get together then You know we'll have a good time then Well, he came from college just the other day So much like a man I just had to say Son, I'm proud of you Can you sit for a while? He shook his head and he said with a smile What I'd really like, Dad, is to borrow the car keys See you later, can I have them, please? And the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon Little boy blue and the man on the moon When you're coming home, son, I don't know when But we'll get together then, Dad You know we'll have a good time then Since retired, my son's moved away I called him up just the other day I said I'd like to see you if you don't mind He said I'd love to, Dad, if I can find the time You see, my new job's a hassle and the kids are the flu But it's your nice talking to you, Dad It's been your nice talking to you And as I hung up the phone, it occurred to me He'd grown up just like me My boy was just like me And the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon Little boy blue and the man on the moon When you're coming home, son, I don't know when But we'll get together then, Dad We're gonna have a good time then Your next song, another Lennon-McCartney duo, Golden Slumbers, Carry That Weight ending. To me, this is one of, I, I just love the way this blends from one song to the next. And what is the most important is that one phrase at the end, when they come back and they sing, and in the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make. To me, I, I, you know, that's that's the kind of saying you can put on your epitaph, right? It is 
what wonderful songwriting that is because boy is it ever true you know what you put into your life what you put into your relationships is just going you know it's going to be returned to you but you've got to put the work in to realize the benefits i i think that's what uh what mccartney and and lennon are telling us that may be my favorite phraseology in music is these particular songs Your first te- television gig, your first on-air television Would gig, Would have been in '76. Which station? The summer uh, at KMAC. KMAC. Yes. Do you remember your first story? No. Oh my! I was a producer. Yeah. Um, little known fact is, I was hired to replace a uh, very young producer who had started working at KMAC in high school. <laughs> so there were, there were there were some special abilities there as a journalist if you got a job in television news and you were like in high school i mean that just didn't happen uh and so that journalist was moving from lubbock to go to school in dallas that journalist went on to become oh i think i know where this is going you know That's ex- right. you know story. exactly where yeah. this is going that journalist uh, if you where is he now if you turn on the <laughs> cbs evening news tonight you're going to see that journalist anchoring the newscast scott pelly my proof is that it's a craft it is it's your creative ability i mean scott pelly didn't learn how to be a great journalist in college scott pelly was a great journalist before he went to college he had this innate ability and of course college helped him develop it and strengthen it and pull it out even further that's god-given talent right there our careers certainly did not follow the same path <laughs> in the least but you know it was it's a real privilege to know him and and to be able to see him do that gig every night and say the guy was special very special now your next song well very familiar the matador okay. song well. by harry lamare and of course texas tech trivia that the, when texas tech started as a university in the 1920s the uh, sports teams were called the Matadors, and it was the Matador song, and and so we still use the term Matador, even though later Red Raiders we became, became Red Raiders. Yeah. yeah, funny how this university means so much to me, and I guess everyone has great affinity for where they went to college, the best years of your life. The university just means everything to me. I mean, it's where I became a man. It taught me, I think, all the values that I hold that my parents didn't teach me. It has been very good to me. I have two degrees from this very, it started off as a department when I was uh, starting, now it's a college. I worked in New York with uh, a lot of talented people for Time Inc. on what was called a teletext project, which basically is what the internet has become. And everyone in that room, everyone on that staff, they were all from Columbia, Princeton, Yale. 
they were all Ivy Leaguers, except three of us. <laughs> One guy was from the University of Texas. Another was from New Mexico, uh, the University of New Mexico, and this yokel from Texas Tech. And you know what? We were able to compete with them hands down without any problem. This is a great university, and it is doing wonderful things. And kids who are walking away with, with those sheepskins from this university are getting something special. And they don't realize it now, but they probably are having the time of their life in, in a community that that cares about them and is starting to care a little bit more about them, I think, every day as we continue to realize that Texas Tech is Lubbock. Take Texas Tech out of Lubbock, we'd be in trouble. And they should just kind of have pride in, in what this university means to them. Because you know what? It's going to be their calling card for the rest of their life. Comes the Sun by George Harrison. Boy, you like the Beatles. I'm a Beatles kind of guy, you know. And this song, uh, well, just, I'm corny, but this is my wife on my cell phone when she calls. This is the song that plays. This is her song. To me, it just it just speaks of everything that's bright. It would and be beautiful. bad if it was dirty laundry. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's for everybody else okay. who calls okay. me from my station. Oh. They get dirty laundry. <laughs> what do but, I uh, get? Jeff? <laughs> You get the Matador song. Okay, great. The, 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 the general, the general that. ringtone that I use uh, is the Matador song. But Here Comes the Sun, is that's Kim's song. George Harrison wrote that when he was kind of in a downtime. He was actually vacationing at the time. And I think he really felt like he was overshadowed, and he was, by Lennon McCartney. And they, he didn't get a lot of opportunities to showcase hey he wasn't Ringo right no he okay. wasn't Ringo but he, you know he was he was the Beatle who had great talent but he, you know, he wasn't the two guys in the front and they even said you know when, when they when they put this this album you know together they were shocked you know that there was this wonderful song that uh, that became kind of the main focal point of that album George Harrison he to me made the Beatles he was the quiet one, but I think he was the heart and soul of that group. Here comes the sun, here comes the sun, I say it's all right.
Now, I asked you for 10 songs, but you had to go I over... I had one, one extra. How you're in your newsman who goes over the broadcast, and, this is and, and you had one extra song. One extra song that I that I threw in there because, I, and to me, it, you know, it's, it's the... The song that identifies the most important news happenings during my early lifetime. Billy Joel is the guy who wrote it, and uh, it's a protest song as well as a song that kind of talks about the. What the does time. he have to protest about? Or? He he <laughs> it, it was yeah he had plenty to protest, but uh, you know the, the basically is uh, you know we didn't start the fire, so he's basically saying you know don't complain about what's going on in this world today. Just you know look at the events that have shaped our world. And then he goes through, I'm not sure how many events are in that song. I love listening to it. Huh. And he was performing. He's getting a little older, too. He was performing it, and he messed up. And he says, hey, I'm old. I can't remember. You know, there's a this stuff all has to kind of go in, in line. But it's it's a great song. And uh, and I thought, you know, it, it kind of identifies my journalistic integrity and journalistic background. These are the things that mattered from basically, what, the 40s all the way through the 70s. Well, Jeff, thank you very much for joining us today. We're going to leave listening to Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire. I want to thank you for coming. I want to thank you on behalf of Texas Tech and of Lubbock for all the the great energy and good cheer and professionalism of service you've given to our community, to our university. You you are a legend. You're an institution, but you're one that is uh, alive, kicking, happy, cheerful, and just keep keep doing what you do. Thank you so much. How kind of you to say that, And, and, and it's a great pleasure. Love this college and to see how it has grown and what it's turned into and you know i salute you and and dr hudson and dr ross i'm going through the (laughs) go going back a long time you know three people who've made so many uh such an impact on this college it's it's doing wonderful things and the journalists are coming out of here they're like all those people that uh, that i competed against up in new york they can hold their own as well you don't have to have an ivy league degree to be good in this business thank you jeff thank you dr perlmutter it's been an honor